Eternal Health, episode number 13. You're listening to the Eternal Health Podcast, where we discuss God's great design for your life in body, mind, and spirit. Your host is Laura Rimmer, who's a plant-based nutritionist, author, speaker, and health coach. Looking for yoga tips or the latest protein shake recommendations? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. If you're ready for no-nonsense, multi-layered health expertise, drawing on evidence-based nutrition and biblical principles, welcome to Eternal Health. For show notes and to download your free 5-minute Optimum Health Scorecard, please visit laurarimmer.com. Enjoy the show. Hi there, it's Laura. Welcome back to Eternal Health. I hope you've had a really good week. I've had a, a good week, a busy week. At the moment, I feel like I'm really up against it in terms of my time planning. Don't get me wrong, my life is like really exciting at the moment. I've got lots and lots of different things and really fulfilling and interesting and varied things that are going on, but um, it's requiring me to be very, very on top of things with my time. So um, thankfully, I've got a number of good really good business coaches coaching me at the moment so I've got some good mentors around me and I've bought myself two 2018 diaries a big A4 one with a week to view and then an A5 one with day like a page per day and it's got half an hour slots for each day from like 5am to 11pm I think so I'm going to be planning out. I'm going to take a, a day this week to go planning and sit down away from technology, away from my computer, my mobile phone, any of that stuff, and just plan out the next 90 days in my life and business to um, to really make sure that I'm on track and where I want to be and, yeah, just um, on top of things with my time and, and life activities. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, then that was an interesting one. It was on mental health and the effects of television watching on our brain, our children and society. So quite a controversial topic, but um, go go and listen to that one at some point. So that was mental health. Previous weeks, we've done a lot, haven't we, on physical health. So we've talked a lot about diet and health and, you know, how to be on top of things in terms of what we eat and our bodies. So this week, and given that we're in December, we're leading up to Christmas, I have done lots of carol services over the last week, sang my little solo in church last night, which went fairly well, I think. Um, So yeah, we're approaching Christmas. So I thought it'd be fitting to do something on spiritual health this week. And I was in town the other day, and this very um, smiley man gave me a little leaflet. And I looked on the front, and it said, Knowing God Personally, and it was a little leaflet about Christianity and, and how to know God personally. And I almost gave it back to him, because I was going to say I'm a Christian, but I thought, no, actually, I'll look through this. And it's my aim today to go through the contents of this little innocuous leaflet, which has got such powerful information in it, with you today. So what are we talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about your spiritual health and in particular, the gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel means good news and it's all about Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus to us? Who is Jesus meant to be? And um, I want to dispel any myths and 
really gets to the heart of the gospel message because many people aren't clear on what the gospel is. Even, sorry to say, a lot of Christians don't know exactly what the gospel is. So I'm going to just talk it through with you today because it's very important that you hear this message and understand it and then make a you know make a decision for your life either way decide whether you think that it's right whether it's for you and all that kind of stuff so that's what I'm going to be talking through with you today now just to give a little bit of background and you can go back and listen to episode one of eternal health where I give a little bit of information about my testimony my path to becoming a Christian and a follower of Jesus and I will also do a a longer testimony so my kind of spiritual path because my spiritual path has played out over the last 38 years almost of my life and I've gone from being going to church as a child to agnostic to spiritual into the new age stuff bit of buddhism bit of hinduism Tao Te Ching even had a satanic bible at one point to christianity so i've led a bit a bit of a kind of a winding path of of different spiritual elements in my life i recorded actually a radio interview a few weeks ago which gave my testimony it came out quite well it's clear recording the guy interviewing me was was really good so i'll do an episode which focuses on my testimony in the future so i'm not going to go into my own kind of story too much in this episode i'm just going to leave it to the gospel to speak for itself So what I'll do now is I shall just go through the main points of this leaflet, which is a production from a group called Agape, which are based in the UK. So this isn't my own work. This is from them. I'm taking a lot of points from their little leaflet. And if you want a copy of this leaflet, it's called Knowing God Personally. And I will leave a PDF copy in the show notes for you. And if you want to go to their website, then it's agape.org.uk. So let's get into this then. So this leaflet, and what I'm going to be presenting to you here in this episode, is about how to know God personally. And there are four points that we're going to cover. These four points explain how you can enter into a personal relationship with God and experience the life for which you were created. So number one, God loves you and created you to know him personally. John's gospel in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. So God wants you to know him. And this is the way we have eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That's from John 17.3. So why do you think most people don't know God personally? So this is point number two. We are separated from God by our sin. So we cannot know him or experience his love. What is sin? We were created to live in a relationship with God, but we rejected him and the relationship was broken. This rejection of God and the building of our lives around anything else is what the Bible calls sin. We show this attitude by being selfish towards others, openly disobeying God or by simply ignoring him. Romans 3.23 points out that we are all sinful, everyone. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And sin has consequences. Again, from Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We are all guilty before God and we will be judged for our sin. The punishment for this sin is eternal separation from God and this is what the Bible calls hell and that's from 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9. God is perfect and we are sinful. There is a great gap between us because of our sin. Something is missing in our lives that nothing else, relationships, money, work or health can satisfy. And we might try to bridge this gap through doing good works, helping others or following a religion, but all our efforts will fail because they can't deal with the problem of sin. So let's just look at that for a moment. So we talk about sin and that's not really a popular thing to be talking about in this day and age, is it? Sinful people. I remember as a non-Christian going to church and being into like the law of attraction and new age, I was very much into the kind of think positively, love yourself, everything you need is within you, look to the divine within, you are God. Like that's what I was filling my mind with at that point in time and that's what I was really believing about myself that I could be God how blasphemous and when I went to church and I saw these people you know confessing sin and talking about sinfulness I was thinking what are these people doing all week that they're so bad like they must be really bad people I'm doing all right thank you very much I'm leading a good life I'm quite a kind person I'm not hurting anyone else It was only when I became a Christian I suddenly realised the magnitude of my own sin. And the funny thing is that now as I continue in my Christian walk and get stronger in my faith and more mature as a Christian, I'm aware even more of my sin. So things years ago I would have not even been aware of as being wrong or bad or sinful, I'm now suddenly aware of. So yeah, if you don't feel like you're a sinful person at the moment, just do this little test, a very quick test. If we look at the 10 commandments in the Old Testament as our standard and everyone kind of, everyone knows this stuff. We all know that murdering is bad. We all know that stealing is bad and lying is bad. So that's straight from the Bible. That's where we get our moral standards from. It's from the Bible. So let me ask you this. Have you ever told a lie? have you ever stolen anything have you ever got angry with someone have you ever used the name of god in vain said oh god or you know used jesus's name as a swear word have you ever lusted after a man or a woman have you ever had a relationship a physical sexual relationship with anyone you're not married to if you've answered yes to any or all of those then congratulations you're a sinner like the rest of us and that sin is currently separating you from God okay so this third point gives us the only solution to this problem so point number three Jesus Christ is God's only solution for our sin through him alone we can know God and experience his love and forgiveness Jesus is unique And Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Jesus died in our place. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you home safely to God. That's from 1 Peter 3.18. Jesus came back to life. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And that's from Acts 1-3. 
His resurrection from the dead proved that he was God and that he had suffered God's punishment in our place. So Jesus is the only way to know God. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. Although we deserve to be cut off from God forever, in his love, God sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. Through Jesus, God has bridged the gap that separated us from him and provided a way for us to be forgiven and restored to a relationship with him. Now, it's not enough to just know these facts in your mind or intellectually. So let's think about that for a moment. Now, what we've looked at there is, in effect, a legal transaction. So if you think in a court of law, say you were guilty of stealing a ring. You walked into a jeweler's shop and you saw this huge diamond ring on the counter and there was no staff around and you waited there for a few minutes and still no member of staff appeared and this ring was just sat there, not behind glass, not in any case or anything and you thought to yourself, I'm going to seize my opportunity and you took that ring and walked out of the shop and kept it for yourself. Now, say you got caught by the police, they've tracked you down and they found you. And when they arrested you, they told you that that ring you'd stolen was actually a queen's ring and it was worth several million pounds and it had huge sentimental value and value as a, a piece of royal memorabilia. So you're taken along to a court of law and tried by a judge and you were found guilty. There was cameras in the shop which clearly saw you take the ring and because of the value of this ring and because of the crime you'd committed, you were issued a fine and that fine was £7 billion. And you looked in your bank account and you saw the several thousand pounds in your bank account and you thought to yourself, how am I ever going to pay this? I am never going to pay this. I could work for the rest of my life. I could win the lottery. I could speak to everyone I know and ask them for help and I wouldn't be able to pay this fine. So you're at the point of despair knowing that you can never, ever, ever pay back and redress the harm that you'd done in taking this valuable object and committing a crime against someone very important. So you were just about to be thrown into jail, into solitary confinement with no other people, no windows on your cell, no opportunity to have a bath or a shower and given one meal a day and very little water and this was to be your experience for the rest of your life when all of a sudden someone steps in and says, I've got the money, I'll pay that fine. Seven billion dollars, no problem, I've got it. And steps in and pays that fine for you and you are released. You are free to go, your crime has been paid for and you are a free person. Well, that's the kind of legal transaction that takes place when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. We are sinners, our sin separates us from God and the wages of sin is death. So if we want to pay for our own sins and our own strength, that means that we'll be permanently cut off from God and we will experience eternal death in hell. Not a popular notion, I know, but it's the truth. Whereas 
if we accept Jesus and we look to him and say, he died for our sins, he paid the ransom, he paid the price, the penalty for my sin and for everyone else's sin. And all we have to say is, yes, I accept that. Thank you very much. And take that payment and accept that Jesus has made that payment for us and that we can never pay it in our own strength and humble ourselves and say, wow, you know, thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me, then our sins are forgiven and we are free. We are free to love God. We are free from the bondage of our sin. We are given the Holy Spirit of God into our hearts to help us to turn away from sin and turn towards being a better person. So this is where people think Christianity is a moral religion. Well, that's where they're getting this from, but it comes through the Holy Spirit of God that we get through accepting Jesus. So when we humble ourselves and say, yeah, you know what? I can't pay for my own sin, but I trust that Jesus has done it and I accept that and I'm eternally thankful for him. Then we are given the freedom of eternal life forever and ever to be with God. And when Jesus returns on judgment day, then we will be perfected in body, mind and spirit. We will literally be made new into the perfected beings that God has always had in mind for us. And anyone, unfortunately to say, who's rejected this offer that Jesus has extended to everyone on earth, this gift of payment for their sins, anyone who's rejected that and continued to reject that for all of their life will be separated from God eternally and and sent to hell and be cut off from God forever. So we want to be accepting this gift from God. So point four in our look at how we can know God personally is that we must each respond by asking Jesus to come into our lives. Then we can know God personally and experience his love and forgiveness. So it's vital that we must accept Jesus in order for this to happen. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's from John 1.12. Accepting Jesus involves agreeing with God that we are sinful and deciding to turn away from our sin. Trusting God to forgive us completely because Jesus died for our sin. Choosing to follow Jesus, putting him first in our lives. So Jesus promises to come into our lives when we accept him. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's from Revelation 3.20. So it's not enough to just know or feel that this is true. We have a choice to make. We have to either accept this and take it on into our own lives and experience as, as our beliefs Or if we don't go that far, if we just kind of think, yeah, it might be true or yeah, it's definitely true, but we don't do anything about it. We don't experience it for ourselves. Then we are separated from God. So there's basically two types of people that we can look at. And again, this is from this leaflet. The first is the self-directed person. And this was me for the majority of my life. So yourself or ourself is on the throne and Jesus is outside of this person's life. People like this have never accepted Jesus into their lives. They remain guilty and cut off from God by their sin. The second type of person is the Christ-directed person. So Christ is on the throne of their life and self is following Jesus as Lord. People like this have accepted Jesus into their lives. They have been forgiven and experienced God's love. So which of these two people best describes you? 
which one would you like to describe you? Well, I'm truly happy to say that I'm now the second person. I'm a Christ-directed person. So what does that look like? Well, it means that I submit my life to Jesus. I understand that he knows best. He created me. He loves me. He knows me better than myself. So I submit my life to him. So every, every area of my life, my business, my relationships, my spending, my hobbies, my time is all Um, under his authority and I experience the love of God the love of Jesus I experience the Holy Spirit in my life working in my life through my acceptance of Jesus and how do I know this well I know it because the Bible says so and the Bible is a library of 66 books written over thousands of years written by over 40 different authors which all corroborate to this truth that Jesus is the savior of humanity and when you accept him as your lord and savior he loves you he forgives you you are part of the kingdom of God so now I am a child of God so you know you hear people in this day and age saying we're all children of God well that's actually not the case you're a child of God when you accept Jesus and you cannot know God outside of Jesus because God is triune there's three persons in the godhead there's father so our heavenly father who's in heaven jesus christ who became a human came down to earth died on the cross resurrected and is now back in heaven sat at the right hand of the father controlling everything so everything is under jesus's feet even the good stuff the bad stuff everything that's going on in the world is under jesus's control and that might cause us to think well why is there so much bad in the world well because Jesus wants everyone to come to repentance so he's giving us time he's allowing us time and the evil to flourish basically in the hope that everyone will come to repentance and you might say to yourself well can't Jesus control it all can't everyone just be saved he gives us a choice we're not robots he's designed humans unlike any other animal in creation to have free will so he will not impose his will on us he is he's a gentleman I guess to use modern day language he's gentle he's meek he's mild he's also supremely powerful but he won't use that power to wield his authority over us he uses that power to love us and to draw him into himself and to show mercy to us but it's up to us whether we accept that or not so at the moment we're in this period of of history where there's it's a grace period we've been given time so the clock of your life is ticking right now and Jesus is allowing things to go on in this world all the bad stuff while we're in this grace period where you have the choice right now to accept Jesus into your life but there is coming a day judgment day where that grace period will end Jesus returns to the earth he will destroy this earth there's beautiful things about this earth but there's a lot that goes wrong isn't there we know that we can see that all around and that period of time is coming to an end when Jesus returns so on that day your time is up you no longer have a chance to turn to Jesus so make that decision now and when you do that then you have God the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity who is given to you as a deposit 
in your heart to show that you are claimed by God. He has redeemed you and he's made a guarantee of that redemption by giving you a deposit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our counsellor, our friend. He sticks closer than a brother and he will direct your life and point you to Jesus. So to begin a relationship with God, you must put your life in his hands. God is not concerned particularly with the words that you use as he is with the attitude of your heart. So this little leaf that I've got gives a suggested prayer and the prayer is quite simply just talking to God. So you don't need to use any fancy language or anything like that. You just would simply say and by all means, if you feel that you want to do this or if even if you don't feel like you want to do this but you believe that this is true the words that I'm telling you today are true then pray this prayer Lord Jesus I want to know you personally I'm sorry for going my own way instead of your way thank you for dying on the cross to forgive my sin please come and take first place in my life and make me the person you want me to be so could you say this to God and mean it I will leave a copy of this prayer in the show notes. So if you go to laurarimmer.com forward slash EH013, then you'll be able to see that prayer there. And I would really encourage you to pray that kind of prayer or that prayer exactly if you haven't done so already. So why not say it today? Jesus will come into your life as he has promised. So what happens then when you put your trust in Jesus? Well, if you have invited Jesus into your life or accepted him as your saviour and Lord, then many things have happened, including Jesus has come into your life by the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned, and he will never leave you. And Romans 8, 9 and Hebrews 13, 5 tells us this. All of your sins have been completely forgiven. So you can look that up in Colossians 1, 13 to 14. You have now become a child of God and he is your heavenly father. And that's from Galatians 3, 26. God has given you a new life, a new power to enable you to live a transformed life. And that promise is given to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And you have now begun a friendship with God that will last forever and for which God has made you. That's from John 17, 3 and John 10, 10. And isn't that funny because we're always told in this life, aren't we? Much more so now than years ago. Find your purpose in life. Everyone needs to find their own purpose. That's when you'll be truly happy, when you'll find your purpose. And for years, I spent time trying to work out what my purpose was. The trouble was I have so many different interests and I can be so fickle that one year I might be really into salsa dancing, the next year I might be really into positive psychology, the next thing I might be into is health, and the next thing I might be into is meditation and yoga. So I was like, well, what is my purpose? I don't know. Well, here's the purpose that you were designed for, to know and love God and for him to know and love you as his own child. And that will be the most fulfilling thing that could ever happen to your life, far more than getting married, having children, having lots of money, having a brilliant body, having beauty, having lots of holidays and traveling and lots of friends. It will outweigh any of those things. So how can you be sure that all of this has really happened? Well, you can know that Jesus is in your life because God has promised this and he can be trusted. 
And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son, Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. That's from 1 John 5, 11 to 13. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, thank God often that Jesus is in your life and that he will never leave you. You can know that the spirit of Christ lives in you and that you have eternal life from the moment you invited Jesus into your life because this is what he has promised. So what if you don't feel any difference? What if you do this, you pray this prayer and you don't feel any different? Well, we're not to depend on how we feel. We rely on God and his promises in the Bible, not our own feelings. Feelings are certainly valid and important, but they don't determine what is true. A follower of Jesus lives by trusting in the reliability of God himself and what he has said through his word, the Bible. The Bible, again, let me reiterate, the Bible is not just stories, it's facts and places and dates and names and times and it's written by 40 different people who corroborated the same things over thousands of years all pointing to Jesus there's this Messiah that's going to come we're told in the Old Testament there's a whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament whereby you had to sacrifice an animal to God as an atonement a payment for for the people's sins um, and that was pointing towards the perfect sacrifice that that Jesus made when he died on the cross so that was pointing thousands of years before Jesus came and the book of Isaiah says that the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all and that he by his stripes we are healed so by his wounds we are healed and that was thousands of years before Jesus ever was born so we must rely first and foremost on the facts here that are being presented and then we express faith through a trust in those facts and then from there the feelings come because I remember as a brand new Christian I trusted the facts I put my faith in God I didn't particularly feel any different to start with and I said to God I was like look I don't love Jesus I don't know him show me and through prayer through reading the Bible through getting into a good church fellowship with other Christians I grew in my love and my feelings of joy and happiness and thankfulness and and love of God came third so don't expect your feelings to come first your feelings come third fact first faith second feelings third so lastly here how can we grow as a follower of Jesus well our relationship with Jesus grows as we trust him with every detail of our lives this trust is developed through getting to know God by reading the Bible daily and it would be good for you to begin with the gospel of John in the New Testament responding to God in prayer obeying God moment by moment so asking him God what do I do in this situation I'm not sure you show me walking in the power of the Holy Spirit so asking the Holy Spirit again to direct you to empower you to live the life that God wants you to live telling others about Jesus by our life and our words so Christians should be set apart we should be different we should be noticeable by our difference by our joy by our happiness and the face of adversity that's going on in this world and by doing things a different way we're not all out for ourselves and what we can get for our, for ourselves and our own lives we should be able knowing that we're children of God to serve others 
the two commandments that Jesus says are the most important are to love God and love others. So that's a good benchmark for us to live by, to love God and to love our neighbour around us. And telling other people about this good news of Jesus, the gospel. And then finally, having fellowship with other Christians. We're not meant to be doing Christianity on our own. We are told in the Bible that Christians are the body of Christ. He, Jesus, is the head and we are the body. So I might be like a little toe. You might be like a chest. Someone else might be like an arm. So a little toe cannot function without the rest of the body. An arm cannot function without hands and being connected to the shoulder. So we must be saved and we must come into the fellowship of other Christians and we must use our gifts that are given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit for the edification and the building of, of the church. So church is not a building. Church is not an old place where fuddy-duddies go to, you know, do boring things on a Sunday. The church is the body of Christ. It's Christians all over the world. So the final thing this little gospel leaflet says is that several logs burn brightly together but put one aside and its fire goes out. In the same way God doesn't intend you to live the Christian life in isolation. When you invite Christ into your life you are born into God's family. This community, the church, is at the heart of God's eternal plan. So find a church where Jesus is worshipped and the Bible is taught and join others who are active in making Christ known. So this is something really for you to give good consideration to, isn't it? It's of supreme importance. If you've never spent any time thinking about this and if you're tempted to put it off and think, I'll think about this later or yeah, I'm not sure about any of this, I would urge you to reflect on what I've said. What's the worst that can happen? You spend a few hours, a few days, a few weeks pondering this and nothing's lost. If you get this wrong, there's a lot at stake. Your eternal salvation is at stake. And I just want to let C.S. Lewis explain this to you, the importance of Jesus and who he is. So Jesus isn't just a moral teacher. He's not just some guy that came to earth and, and now the whole dating system is, is named after him and, and run after him, funnily enough. No, he's much more important than that. So C.S. Lewis says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And that's C.S. Lewis from his book Mere Christianity. And actually that original quote wasn't attributed first to him a Scottish Christian preacher called John Duncan in the 18th century formulated what he called a trilemma the, the trilemma of Christ so Christ has either deceived mankind by conscious fraud or number two he was himself deluded and self-deceived or number three he was divine he was fully God so there's no getting around that trilemma it is inexorable so there's no other options open to us so you need to have a little think about that so I'm just going to leave you with some verses from John's Gospel. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness through the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And that's John 1 verses 1 to 14. Thank you ever so much for listening today to Eternal Health. I hope you go away and really consider what we've talked about today and make the right decision. And I will look forward to speaking to you again on the next episode of Eternal Health. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Health Podcast. Go to laurarimmer.com to download your free Optimum Health Scorecard and find out your current health score, plus tips, coaching, and training on how to get slim, healed, and energized. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time on Eternal Health.